0: Good morning. I love that song. I was uh, riding down the road and thinking about this message and praying, and that song came on the radio. <clears throat> I choke up when I think about the words. We're redeemed. By the blood of Christ, we're redeemed. This series that we've been in is called I Am. It's who we are in Christ. And I wonder this morning how many of us forget who we are in Christ. As we've gone through this series, we've had different perspectives. Different gentlemen have had the opportunity to come up here and share with you. So I'm blessed with an opportunity to share with you this morning about being alive in Christ and what that means Let's break into the Word. Uh, Ephesians 2 is where we're starting at. I was sharing in the first service. I've stepped over into this new arena of age. I now need glasses to see what I'm reading. So it's been an awkward transition for me. There are Bibles being handed out if you need one. I would encourage you to get one. I have a tendency sometimes in my studies to jump all over the place. And... uh I don't think the words are going to be on the screen behind me. Well, I know they're not. So, Ephesians 2 and verse 1, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and I want to remind you that he's writing from a prison. He's writing from a place that's uh, desolate and cold, but he's not at all focused on that. He's focused on something far greater. He says, And you... but God, who is great, or excuse me, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, this life, this being alive in Christ, it's not. Of a physical sense, but it's an, a spiritual sense. And as I was praying about the direction of this message, like how do we communicate fully what it is that Paul is saying, the Lord just struck my heart and he brought me to John, the third chapter, the Gospel of John, the third chapter. And I think. That this is paramount to look at because of the spiritual nature of what Paul is writing about. This redeemed life that we just heard about. This new man that we've become. And Nicodemus was a teacher, a ruler of the Pharisees. And he had come to Jesus. Jesus' ministry had just begun. And some stirring had occurred people were speaking about him. And Nicodemus was recognizing something, and he decided to have a conversation with Jesus. So he came to him, and he says, this man, verse 2, this man, that is Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he was recognizing something about Jesus that There was something special and unique about this man. And Jesus answered him, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water... And of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus began a dialogue with Nicodemus that was spiritual. And Nicodemus was having a hard time understanding it. Let's face it, if someone were to say to you, without the knowledge of the scriptures that you have, one must be born again in order to enter the kingdom, you would scratch your head also. Jesus goes on to say, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered him, and he said, How can these things be? Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? You see, Nicodemus knew the Scriptures, and yet He was struggling to understand what Jesus was saying, and that is because Jesus was speaking about spiritual things. He goes on to say, Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know, and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You see, what Paul is speaking about in Ephesians, when he says we are alive in Christ, these are heavenly things. These are heavenly promises. As we've been going through this series, we've learned that we're chosen by God. We're adopted. We're forgiven. We're sealed. We're rich. And we're alive. These are spiritual blessings. And I want to continue on in this conversation because, again, I think it is absolutely paramount that we understand this is essential to our faith. This is Jesus having an interesting conversation, one that's life-transforming with this man. He says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Now, at this point, Nicodemus is still scratching his head, I'm sure. But this is where, I'm sure, Nicodemus' attention peaked. He says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, to you and I, that may not seem... Like a very powerful statement. But to Nicodemus, it meant a lot because he was a learned man. He knew the scriptures. And what Jesus was referring to when he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, what he was referring to was a story that Nicodemus knew very well. And it was the story of the Israelites who Moses had led out of captivity and he was leading them across the wilderness. And they complained almost the entire time. Forgive me, I need to grab my water. The whole time that they were being led across this wilderness, they'd seen the hand of God. They'd seen His promises. He had a pillar of cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night. He'd given a manna from heaven. He'd opened the Red Sea so they could cross it. And yet they continued to complain. And so the Lord sent fiery serpents. And these serpents bit the people and they died. They begin to die. So then they realize, oh, we have offended God and we've offended Moses. So they go to Moses and they say, Moses, forgive us. We've offended you and we've offended God. So Moses goes before the Lord for the people, and the Lord instructs Moses. He says, build a serpent made of bronze. Put it on a pole and hold it up. Lift it up, and whoever looks on that serpent will live. If he has been bitten, he looks on that serpent and he will live. That's ancient snake bite remedy. That's really what it is. He gave them life by them looking at a bronze serpent. And you see, Nicodemus understood that, that was his history. He understood that whole story. And so, Jesus made sure that Nicodemus was catching what he was trying to communicate by explaining that in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so... The Son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3:16. Most of us can probably quote it without even reading the scripture. It's on bumper stickers, it's on billboards. We say it almost without thinking. And it's the words of Jesus Christ himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He who believes in Him is not condemned. Excuse me. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now, when we think about that, we think of Jesus on a cross. We may may not be Fully understanding all that he was doing. All that he was accomplishing on the cross. Romans 6. I think Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans. In chapter 6. In chapter 5, he was explaining how, chapter 5 of Romans, Paul is explaining how God's grace was given to us because of our sin. And this grace was given to us through Jesus Christ. And so he goes on this whole explanation of God's grace being transferred to us by the action that Christ took on the cross. And so then he opens up in chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, if, if uh, because of our sin, we've received grace, why not sin more so that we can get more grace He answers that question very quickly. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death You see, there's a spiritual action that occurred on the cross. And that is what this series is all about who we are in Christ. We are alive, people. We are adopted. We are chosen. We are sealed. We are forgiven. And yet, so often, we forget. He goes on to say, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Now we are... Bound to this Christ by His love. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures teach that nothing can pluck us from His hand. And yet, so often we forget these blessings. You know, I think it was uh, Eric who opened us up in this book of Ephesians. But it's, it's interesting that the very first words of the chapter, chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Jesus says, you know, let me take you there. In, in John chapter 10. I want to pick it up at verse 9. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Again, He's speaking in spiritual terms. And so, you know, the, the Scriptures say over and over, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do we have ears to hear this morning, people? Do we have ears to hear? That's only possible by what God has given to us. He's speaking to the Pharisees. In verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, this abundant life that Christ is speaking about, You think it's about the homes we live in, the cars we drive? You think it's about the size of our bank account? I don't think so, and I don't think anyone in here believes that. But so often we get caught up in these things. We get distracted, and we forget, as Pastor Scott shared with us, whose we are. I loved his message about how we're sealed. And if you were here, Pastor Scott shared a story about being concerned about losing his child in a crowd at Universal Studios or Disney World. And he decided one of the safest ways was to write his name on the belly of his son, Scott Avey, and then to put his phone number. So his son was identified by lifting up his shirt And it would say whose he was. He belonged to Scott Avey. I loved that picture. Because his son was so excited about that, that his dad did that, that everyone he came across, he'd lift up his shirt and show him whose he was. Do we live our lives that way? You know whose you are? You're the child of the living God the creator of heaven and earth. And that is made possible by the blood that he shed on the cross for you and I. And yet we so easily forget that. Just like the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. God parted the Red Sea. Can you imagine walking through that and looking up? at the walls of the water? The question is, do you believe it? I do. And if you believe it, then why is it that we so easily forget it? Why is it that we are just like the Israelites and we begin to complain and grumble? We get so caught up with what's wrong that we forget whose we are. All the Israelites could think about was what they didn't have instead of all that they were given. I'm guilty. I'm speaking more loudly to myself than I am to anyone in this room. But see, God is so gracious and so good. He understands our humanity. He understands it. That's why he went to the cross. We're totally incapable without him. But if there's anything that I want to convey this morning, it's that we need to remember whose we are, who we belong to, that we've been adopted, chosen, sealed, forgiven, redeemed. That song that we just heard before I came up here It moves me to tears. I start to sing with him, and then I get stuck. I can't sing anymore. I get a knot in my throat because I realize who I was. And it says, While we were yet sinners, he died for us. I want to ask a couple of questions this morning. Are we living as though we believe or are we saying we believe and staying in bondage? You see, we've been set free. Just before we came into this series in Ephesians about who we are in Christ, we did a series about being free in Christ. And we had a video clip And I loved that video clip. And we played it every Sunday. And I think that that's what we need. We need a reminder all the time. But the video clip was a turtle in a box. And a little girl trying to woo that turtle out of the box. And she was standing in this beautiful green grass with a beautiful pond of water behind her. And she's saying, come on. And that turtle wouldn't move. And she decided to go over And set the turtle free. Bring it out, set it in the grass. said, come on, come over to the water. That turtle turned around. Turtles don't move too fast, but this one did. It turned around and it hightailed it right back into the box. That turtle was more comfortable in the box than it was in freedom. And so, as we explore who we are in Christ, as we explore these freedoms, these, these blessings, I have to ask the question, are we more comfortable being in bondage? You know, at one point in the desert, the Israelites said, you brought us out into this wilderness, Moses, to die. We'd be better off back in Egypt. They wanted to go back to what they were, the slaves. Does that make any sense to you? But yet, isn't that what we do in our daily life? Aren't we more comfortable just staying angry all the time, being bitter or critical? You see, we're not crucifying this old man every day. That's what Christ did for us on the cross. He's given us the keys to freedom and we stay in bondage. Is it that we don't trust God? Is that it? Maybe we believe, but we're just afraid to trust him. There's a story in the scriptures where the disciples are on the boat and Jesus is walking to them on the water and they think it's a ghost and they get a little freaked out. Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out onto the water. Jesus says, come on. Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. And then all of a sudden he sees the waves of the ocean. He sees the circumstances. Wait a minute. I can't walk on water. And boom, he instantly begins to sink. And he cries out to Jesus, help me. Jesus reaches out and helps him. You see, are we looking more closely and more intently at our circumstances than we are at our Savior, the one who sets us free? There's another story where the disciples are on a boat. Jesus is asleep and the storm is raging. Jesus is right there. And they get a little wigged out and they think they're going to die. So they go over and they shake Jesus. I wonder what that's like. Give Jesus a little shake and wake him up. And they said, hey, don't you care we're going to die? They're telling Jesus this. And Jesus said, ye have little faith. But isn't that what we do in our lives? Don't we get so wrapped up in our concerns, our problems, how, how can I write a check to the church? I can barely pay the electric bill. How can I give any money to God? You see, we've forgotten whose we are. There's another story I love. You know, Peter, I just, I love that brother because I'm so much like him. I think I got it. I can handle this. I can do it. And there's a point when Peter is fishing all day. He catches nothing. He's bone tired. He's on his way back. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Now, I don't know about you, but my reply would not be a pleasant one. After working all day, I'm catching nothing. I can imagine Peter saying, you know, I've fished my whole life. I know where the fish are. They're not on the other side of the boat. Right? You know your business. Well-trained fisherman. But he listened. He threw the net on the other side of the boat. And the story goes, he caught more fish than the boat could handle. But how often... Do we think that we have the answer? How often do we ask God for wisdom and press forward with what we're thinking and what we're intending rather than really trying to hear what God's saying, rather than just resting in him? If God is for you, who can be against you? Are you stressed out? Are you burned out? Are you down and out? You see, that's not being alive. That's not the abundant life that we are living. We're actually living it. We should be living it. But we're neglecting to live it because we've forgotten So, I want to challenge us this morning. I want to challenge us with a, with a couple of action steps, for lack of a better word. And it's this. Maybe you're here this morning and this message resonates with you. Maybe you're guilty. Maybe you're not. I don't know. I am. Ask God's forgiveness for forgetting His blessings. Ask God's forgiveness for forgetting all that He has done for you. In a spiritual sense, I'm not talking about our bank accounts, the cars we drive, the clothes we wear. I'm talking about eternal life, people. I'm talking about being adopted, being a child of God, being sealed and being forgiven. Ask God to forgive you for forgetting that. And then, ask God to challenge you where you're afraid. And then ask him for the courage to meet that challenge. What is it you're afraid of this morning? That's the place where God wants to meet you. You see, he casts out all fear. We forget that because we're staying in our boxes, people. So ask him to give you a challenge and then the courage to meet that challenge. And then find one thing that exemplifies a radically surrendered life for God. Do one thing that's radically surrendered for God. Step out of the box. Do something you're afraid to do. Do something that only God can be a part of. Peter did it. He stepped out of the boat. So that's our challenge this morning. As we leave this place, any Sunday, not just this Sunday, but I pray as we leave this place this Sunday, that we're forever changed by the words of God, by the scriptures. And that is something that we do when we leave here today different than anything we've ever done before. Before. And maybe that's speaking the truth in a point when you're challenged to maybe smudge the truth a little bit. I don't know what it is for each one of you. I know what it is for me. I know the changes that I need to make. I know the old man inside of me is a song a song that he's no longer part of me. And so I need to intentionally put him away. I need to continue to purpose, to pursue God. And remember, always remember, that you are chosen. You're sealed. You're forgiven. You're rich. You're alive. You're adopted by what Christ did on the cross. That should give us joy and peace that can't even be described. Our lives should shine, not because of what we do, but because what he's doing in us. So that's our challenge this morning. I want to pray with you guys. I want to take an opportunity it is absolutely impossible for me, so bear with me. It is absolutely impossible for me to share anything significant from the Scriptures. And anything shared from the Scriptures is significant. But it's impossible for me to, not, to share this and then not provide an opportunity for someone who does not know this precious Savior. Jesus Christ. This one who gives us eternal life. This one who makes us children of God. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to bow our heads in prayer. I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And I want us to spend a moment connecting with God. Just you and God. And anyone that might be present here this morning... Who's uncertain, who's not sure that they're a child of God, who hasn't been born again as the scriptures teach, hasn't stepped into this new life that Christ has to offer. Anyone who's uncertain or unsure, if they want to raise their hand and step into that new life, I will pray with you this morning. You could just lift up your hand. If there's anyone in this room, that's under the burden of life, that's feeling more pressure than what they should be feeling, that hasn't fully let go and let God have the circumstances. If you want to lift your hand, we'll pray. Anyone at all, thank you. Thank you. You see, that's a step of faith. That's movement toward God. And He'll meet you right there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your precious, precious blood that you shed so that we could have eternal life. I thank you for the blessings that you've given us. I thank you for adopting us, for choosing us, for sealing us, for forgiving us, Lord. And I thank you for those in this room that have lifted their hand up to cry out to you and say, the pressure is too much. I want to surrender this over to God. Lord, draw close to them and comfort them in such a way. Move in their hearts in such a way that they would know the living God, creator of heaven and earth, cares about their circumstances. Lord, touch each of us as we depart from this place and remind us of whose we are. That we are your children. That we are alive in you because of you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all of the glory this morning. In your precious Son's name, I pray. Amen.